Welcome to Value Investor TV Podcast. This is the podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Beko and my partner, Hari Radhakrishna. Welcome, everybody. This is episode 20, uh, Relationships Between Financial Statements. Okay, this is the episode where we talk about the relationships, like I said uh, in the title, Relationship Between Financial Statements. Up to this point in the previous episodes, previous six episodes, we talked about individual financial statements by themselves. We start off with income statement, then we moved on to the balance sheet, and then last leg of the journey, we moved on to the finan- uh, cash flow statement. Excuse me. In this episode, we're going to talk about the relationships between and amongst the financial statements today. It is very important to realize that financial statements don't exist in isolation. They talk to each other. The numbers flow from one to the other. It's very, very important for everyone's to, everyone to understand that, and especially for value investors. So today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to try to figure out the relationships between financial statements. Uh, first, we're, what we're going to do is we're, gonna, we're going to kind of give you the, the, the fundamentals, the fundamental relationship between, relationships between financial statements, and then we'll move on to more of a concrete example um, to sh- illustrate how how the relationship works between the financial statements. All right, let's get it going. So, Hari, uh, take us through kind of the fundamentals of the relationship between the financial statements. <clears throat> yeah, so if we start looking at, um, you know, th- there's lots of different reconciliations that happen. Uh, some of those are within a, a certain time period, and then some of them are across um you know, time period. So when you start with, you know, remember that a balance sheet is a point in time and then um, cash flow and income statements are for a period. So they accumulate over a certain period of time, but you have to reconcile. So if I start in year one, the balance sheet that ends year one, uh, I have to reconcile all of the cash that goes in into year two. And I do that through uh, both the cash flow statement and the retained earnings. So, so if we just start at the the balance sheet side, at the bottom of the balance sheet usually is this section or subsection called retained earnings. And so, what you start with is, you know, you have the cash at the end, you know, at the period. So, let's say that is December thirty first, twenty seventeen, is our last balance sheet, and then we're going to report December thirty first, twenty eighteen. So, we start with cash. And then what we do is we take the retained earnings and the cash, those two numbers from the 2017 uh, snapshot, balance sheet snapshot. And what we do is we take the net income from the income statement. And then that what that does is it gives us a ending, you know, uh, retained earnings for, you know, 2017. So that's kind of intra-reconciliation. Uh, but then what we're going to do is go uh, and, and uh, convert that into... The, the balance sheet for next year. Uh, and the way that we do that is we take the return to earnings uh, over um, and we also take the cash from the, the balance sheet and we put it into the cash flow statement. So what you'll see when you do that is, so remember that the net, the top of the cash flow statement is the net income, right? And then you take the, uh, the cash from the previous uh, balance sheet. So um, so the t- December 2017, uh, and what we do is we start reconciling that with 
all of the things that we use. And we, uh, so the cash flow statement will give you a net change in cash for that period. And what that net change in cash for the period is, is, uh, is added to the cash from the last year's balance sheet. And then that gives you the new balance, uh, for this year's, uh, um, balance sheet. So <clears throat> there's a lot of things I just said, <laughs> a lot of words that just came out of my mouth. Yeah. So, uh, why don't we, yeah. Why don't we start with retained earnings okay. and then move on to the other subsequent categories? So like you said, let's start with 2017 balance sheet, right? At yeah. the end of the balance sheet, as we talked about in the previous episode, we talked about the asset part of the balance sheet and then liability and equity side of the balance sheet. Yep. What we're talking about here, the retained earnings is part of the equity portion of the balance sheet. Correct. So you look at 2017 equity portion of the balance sheet, what you'll find is you'll find retained earnings line item. So what you do is you take the you take the retained earnings line item from 2017 balance sheet, you fork that over, and what you do is you add the income, the net income from the income statement of the 2018, the entirety of 2018. Again, like Harry mentioned, income statement is a financial statement that spans over time and balance sheet is a snapshot in time. So income statement is how much this company earned net. So this is the bottom line we're talking about. So income statement gets added to the previous year's retained earnings, which you, you'll find in the balance sheet of 2017. Yep. And you subtract out the dividend payment to your shareholders. And what you're left with is the new retained earnings that gets booked in 2018's retained earnings line item. Yep. So that's what Harry's talking about. I wanted to just make sure that we clear, uh, uh, make sure we um, articulate our terminologies clearly there. It's, it's very complicated. And Har, you want to mention, you want to, you want to talk about the cash, cash side of things now? Yeah. So when you get, so remember we're talking about the cash flow statement is essentially to tell you where did the cash move in that given time period. And so what you want to see at the top of that is you have how much money you made, then you reconcile how much of that was actually converted into cash. So that means converting away changes in working capital. So that's, you know, um, you may have accounts payable and accounts receivable in these, in this, in this section. So those are expenses, but you may, may, may uh, or, uh, potential income, but they haven't actually been converted to cash. So that's what the cash flow statement is doing is converting that. Then you also have it for your uh, financing and investing cash flow. At the end of that is the net change in cash for that statement period. So if that statement is fiscal year 2018, you add that number, which is the net change in cash to the balance from the fiscal year 2017. And what you get is the new cash balance that appears on the 2018 balance sheet. Mm-hmm. And that's the, t- the top of the balance sheet. So, you know, that number, you know, you're starting from the old, the 2017 cash number, the top line cash number, taking the cash flow statement, running it all the way through and all the way down, and then adding that, um, the, the end result of that to that 2017 number. That's how you reconcile that 2018 cash number. Mm-hmm. So, you know that, you know, is just one of the the many things that you do in this in the in the balance sheet statement to convert it to you know to cash flow. The, and we'll we'll in a little while we'll talk about some of the more you know 
around the cash flow from operations and things like that. Yeah. I want to mention a quick thing there. In the cash flow statement in, our, in a previous episode, we talked about how income, the net income flows to the top line of cash flow statement, and all the non-cash expenses are deducted away yep. to reconcile cash-based accounting and accrual-based accounting. Accrual-based accounting is the 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 doctrine or the 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 standard that income statement follows, and cash-based accounting is what cash flow statement is, is based off of. And so to reconcile the two, income statement, the bottom the bottom line of income statement, net income, flows to the top, and all the non-cash expenses, such as uh, depreciation, amortization, from income statement also flows into the cash flow, cash flow statements, and the reconciliation happens in cash flow statements with those line items that flows in from income statement. Just wanted to mention that. Okay. Um, anything you want to add to this segment here, Hari? So we talked about the retained earnings. Um, we yeah. talked about the cash balance that flows from uh, the previous year's balance sheet to income statement to cash flow statement. And again, back to the balance sheet. Anything you, else you want to add? No, I, I think you know this is something that is going to sound really complicated when you first <laughs> look at it. And yeah. it, it really isn't that difficult to understand. Mm. It's just the best thing to do is actually look at these three statements together. And then you can kind of get this um, better you know, understanding in your head. Mm -hmm. So I, I think the best thing to do is, you know, if you're driving in your car, uh, you know, when you get home or w when you get uh, to a place where you can look at it, pull up an annual report and then look at these three things and then look at, you know, the ending balance of, you know, uh, you know, in the balance sheet and look at it for the next year's reporting period. And it'll help you understand this, this relationship. But fundamentally, I mean, I think the important thing to understand, because you are likely never going to do this yourself, um, you know, is reconciling cash between, you know, year, year, year one and year two. I mean, this is, you know, something that'll be done for you. But it's, it's important to understand how they get those numbers, because the cash is going to be run through the cash flow statement, subtracted, added, you know, depending on how much they have. And then that cash balance gets added to next year, you know, to the balance sheet uh, that year. So it's not like, you know, you start with one and then you linearly go through these. These are all interconnected in, in numerous ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and also I just want to mention if you have a visual in front of you, it helps a lot. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I'm just going to say this: we are <laughs> our discussion is being guided by a visual here. Yeah. So, if you think that uh, we have a special understanding of this, uh, we absolutely don't. It, it this is helping us a lot. So, for you guys listening, if you have a visual that'll help you, if you just go to Google.com and search for relationships between financial statements, you'll find a whole bunch of visuals, and that will help you understand what we're talking about here. Okay. Hari, you wanted to mention uh, uh, account receivable, accounts payable, uh, that ties into this financial statement relationships <coughs> here. Tell us about that uh, before we move on to our concrete example. Yeah, so I think we're going to make special mention of this because this... Um relationship on the balance sheet and the cash flow statement is super important to understand because this is the the cash flow statement is where we're going to use heavily uh, for creating our valuation model um, and so if you know if you're trying to you know allocate your time where where should I really focus on 
And I think this this part of it is going to be important to understand because this is where we're going to use, um, you know, when we start talking about how to actually value the business as a whole. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, with that being said, uh, you know, when you look at the cash flow statement and you, and the balance sheet, you're going to un- end up with two numbers there, accounts payable and accounts receivable. So both of them are short-term assets, uh, short-term liabilities. Um, and they tie into the cash flow statement because what, what you see is you're going to see sometimes uh, it'll be uh, it'll be listed actually as a, um, uh, you know, as a net change in working capital. Um, but what that net change in working capital actually is, is accounts receivable, the net change in accounts receivable, the net change in accounts payable uh, from the balance sheet. And then... Um, you'll see also depreciation and amortization, which come from the income statement. Um, and so what you see with that net change is some years it's going to be higher, some years it's going to be lower, but what is actually cash that's converted into cash is what, uh, is, is being reconciled here. So in essence, companies may have, may be running a tab, a bar tab that they haven't paid out yet, which may make their, um, you know, may make things look better financially uh, on the balance sheet side. Um, and then, but when on the, on the cash flow side, what you will end up seeing is that you can't really hide from this. Uh, you know, ultimately um, you're going to have to make that. So, you know, you make those payments. So you can see this, you know, in the cash flow that it may actually look better in some cases than it, it actually is. Um, and so you kind of want to make sure you're paying attention to both at the same time. And if you say, big jumps in either one, there may be good reasons for it. And you want to know what those reasons are Um, because those reasons are actually going to be the, you know, affect the way that you, um, you know, value your business. And so if you see a big jump one year, you may, that may be a red flag in, in terms of uh, caution. Uh, You know, maybe they're trying to juice, you know, some numbers here. Uh, And so that, that's a, uh, an important distinction that we should make. So, you know, it just really, you know, in summary, what you're really looking at here is the cash flow from operations. You're tying that to the income statement through the net, net income comes over first. That's the from the income statement to the cash flow statement. Depreciation and amortization come over from the income statement as well. And then you adjust from the balance sheet the accounts payable change, the accounts receivable change, prepaid expenses change, and then income tax payable changes. And then uh, uh, effectively what you get is a is the cash flow from operating activities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, using that metric, uh, you get a, uh, uh, you know, you, you get what, what is the cash flow from operations. And then the next stage of this is the cash flow from investing activities. The first line of that, usually the first line of it is, uh, you know, net change in property, plant, and equipment. So that means that they bought equipment uh, for for purchase. Um, it's also called capital expenditures. And you will see the increase in the uh, long-term assets um, when when a company makes a long-term, you know, a purchase of property, plant, and equipment. And so that's how that ties into the balance sheet. And subsequently, there may be a change in the cash or other, you know, places, you know, if they have to buy, use debt to buy the this equipment, you know, you'll see it in the financing activities and so on. But the important thing here is to understand that depreciation expense is not a cash expense. We sub- we have subtracted it, or uh, we've added it back into the net income on the cash flow from operating activities, but then we subtract it again 
in the cash flow from investing activities uh, as property, plant, and equipment. So why that's so critically important is there are a lot of companies that have very high ongoing expenses. So if you think about a server farm, uh, like a cloud-based, you know, company, you know, it, they sound, you know, everybody thinks tech is an asset light business. Well, if you're running a server farm and you have, you know, running cloud computing, you have a high number of depreciable assets. <clears throat> These servers are good for three, four years. And after being on for three or four years, they get depreciated and they, they are no longer useful uh, as assets. So they have very high expenses. But these companies may be able to only buy assets every two years or every three years, but eventually this catches up to them. So th this is really, really important to understand. You want to be looking at these property, plant, and equipment over multiple year periods um, because, if, because you want to see are they consistently expense that they're uh, expending in the depreciation side, are they covering it back up in the property, plant, and equipment side? Mm -hmm. And in a stable business, those two numbers should be roughly equal. Yeah. Okay, so more more in depth discussion about the cash flow statement, how it ties into how it ties into balance sheet. <clears throat> excuse me, and broken down into operating activities and investing activities, like Hart talked about here. Okay, um, anything else you want to add before we jump into the concrete example that we're going to discuss here in a bit? Um, no, I think that's it. Okay, all right, let's move on to uh, as I mentioned before. Uh, we're going to talk about a concrete example. So you guys remember, if you guys have been following our episode, we talked about starting up a, a hot dog stand as an example of a company that we're going to uh, use throughout our podcast. Well, this is an episode where we're going to use that example. So for those of you who are, who are new listeners, uh, we decided, hypothetically, this is we're not actually, actually going to do this, but hypothetically, we are running a hot dog stand on, in New York City. And today's example we want to buy a new cart okay we have we are our, our business is expanding we're in many different corners of new york city we want to buy a new cart to add to our business so let's say harry and i are two business owners went out to buy a a, a, a a cart there are many options to do it to to actually acquire a cart you could buy it outright with cash you could also finance it but also, you don't actually have to own the property. You could actually lease it. You can actually rent it out or yep. uh, rent it. So largely, there are three different options to acquire a, a cart to expand our business. And we're going to take you through the three different options and how that affects the balance sheet cash flow statement as well as the income statement. Okay. So let's move on to the first option, which is buying it outright with cash. And so there's a nice little cart that we want to buy. Ari and I decided, okay, this is the one. This is the one to expand our business. And we had a, we had cash balance of you know, $10,000, $20,000. $20, so we just go out and buy it with cash. What happens to the balance sheet? What happens to the cash flow statement? And what happens to the income statement when we actually go and do this? Yep. Tell us about that. So um – when we look at it on the balance sheet side, the first thing we're going to do is decrease the cash on the balance sheet because we're using that, to, we're paying for it mm -hmm. uh, with cash. Um, we are going to increase our long-term assets because now we have more, uh, you know, this asset is expected to live for longer than five years or longer than one year, I should say. 
So it becomes a long-term asset. So we increase the long-term asset, decrease our cash. And then what we do is we also um, expenditures for property, plant, and equipment, which we just talked about, which is in the investing activities on the cash flow statement, that will increase uh, um you know, increase that number, which is actually represented as a negative number. Mm -hmm. So if we spent $100 on it, it'll be negative 100 on the cash flow statement. So um, so it's actually uh, decreasing that number. Yeah. Um, and then what we will do is on the income statement side, we are going to, um, as we, you know, depending on where in the cycle we bought it, um, if we if we bought it at the beginning of the fiscal year, um, we will take a depreciation expense for the life of that during that year. Um, so if, if the life is, you know, five years and we have a one year, uh, we bought, we've owned it for almost a year at the end of the year, we will take, you know, 20% uh, of the purchase price as a depreciation expense. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, uh, we are now going to add that back, that depreciation expense back into the cash flow statement. So that that's how we kind of... Uh, because it, because remember, depreciation is not a cash expense; it's an accounting expense. Mm -hmm. So, um, so if you, you know, if you look at all all of those places, we've effectively, with just this one purchase, have touched all three, yeah, in multiple lines in all three mm -hmm. uh, statements. Yeah. So, touched balance sheet, cash, and income statements. And what's interesting, I just want to point out. This is a side note. I just want to point out that depreciation. So, when I was thinking about income statement, when I was first learning about the the state financial statements. When, I, when you think about income statement, you know this is really important to highlight. Income statement is is how much money the company lose, lost or earned as an as 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 a act, you know, with as company was active with uh, their their operation, right? And so with something like this, when you go out, when a company goes out and purchases uh, equipment, for example, I didn't. When I was first learning that, I didn't realize that it wasn't actually subtracted out from the income statement as an expense. Yeah. The what what is being subtracted out is actually depreciation. Depreciation if you actually own the property. Correct. So that that was a really interesting key point that I did not know when I started first learning this. Well, and and that that concept is actually also important because, um, you know, when you look at older businesses, they were they purchased everything outright. They never rented, um, and and so they have these longer-term assets that remain on the balance sheet. And in the 80s and, and 90s, you saw a lot of companies trying to be asset light in terms of they would rent everything, they didn't own anything, um, and so everything was financed. And they used that financing to kind of grow faster. Um, and growing faster always works until it doesn't, and then you your whole thing blows up. So, you know, that, you know... D depending on how they finance it, you know, this is, is a good idea to tell you that, um, you know, some companies may have poor, um, you know, use these, you know, in different ways. And so th that strategy around how you finance things um, may, may actually make the business harder to understand. Mm -hmm. And it may also make it harder for, um, you know, for them to succeed in, in, a, in a down market, you know, because so, yeah. they have to pay a lot. They can ha have to make their debt payments but their income isn't isn't what they expected it to be. So. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the option one that we just talked about is a case in which a company goes out and buys a property, equipment, outright with cash. Yep. The second option is financing. Hari mentioned that just now. So there's this cart that we love 
we don't have much cash on hand, or we do have much cash on hand, but we don't want to spend it, spend that cash on this equipment because we have other ideas for the cash. Yep. We finance it. How does that look like in terms of balance sheet, cash flow statement, and income statement? So the difference here is that in the previous one, the cash changed. Mm -hmm. Here, long-term assets still increases Mm -hmm. because we we own this property. Mm -hmm. Um. But we also increase our long-term debt because we have to pay this off over a five-year period. Um, And so, you know, the other things that you're going to see here is because we still own it, um, you're going to have to increase, um, you know, where this affects the cash flow statement is now not no longer in the statement of in the operating activities, but it's now part of the financing activities. Mm -hmm. Um, So you'll see that increase um, uh, because now we took on some more debt. Um, so now if we look at the income statement, uh, side of the house, what you're going to see is, um, and again, since we own this property, depreciation is now an expense that we take on the income side and is subsequently added back into the operating, uh, flow statement. Um, and then we also have now have an interest expense, right? And the interest expense, will come in to play uh, on the income statement near the bottom. Um, after operating income, you subtract out interest expense. So that's where this that line comes into, in, into effect. Yeah. So what you're seeing here is that, um, you know, in, in essence that the, in the first example, right, we didn't, we don't have this interest expense, right? So it's not costing us money um, because we paid for it outright, but we didn't. But we had to pay for it all up front. Now, what we're doing is the interest expense is actually lowering our earnings because we're having to pay for it. You know, pay for it uh, every year on. You know, with uh, you know, in addition to the the actual purchase price, we're paying interest on that. So mm-hmm. that um, and in some cases that may wipe out your entire business. So uh, in the example of Toys R Us, their interest expense actually was equaled their operating income and when when they're uh they had a down cu- downturn they basically couldn't pay for their debt and that's why they went and were liquidated mm. so just a side note again sorry to deviate from the main discussion but it's interesting to see when you're financing it right you are you own it right you're the asset let's so, say so our cart for example it is booked on our balance sheet as our as our asset but it's interesting that we didn't actually pay for it all the way through. So it's interesting because let's say the payment, you know, let's say our tranche payment is over 10 years and we paid the first year of that. I would think that this is just a side note. This is not a, a real a real thing in, in, in the financial world. But if we only pay for the 10th of the, the property, then shouldn't we only book the 10th? The, of the value of the property on the on the on the book and the asset. Well, so remember, just like the just like the liability part, right? But remember the the way that you're doing it is you still own it, but you're you're in both cases your equity doesn't change, right? I pay cash, I decrease cash, increase long term assets. Mm-hmm. In this case, what I do is in the in the financing case, increase long term assets, increase long term liabilities. Equity is still unchanged in both cases, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, what will happen is, so the, the re- really what changes your equity is income and um, 
adding unlevel you know assets you know so that that equity comes in f- into play when you you earn money you know through the operations of the business that gets added back right so e- so if you take on long term debt you know yes you increase your cash balance but you also increase your long term liabilities so there's no net um effect there yeah, right yeah so you know that that's kind of a it's a it's a good question because you have to kind of like puzzle through it and say you know if I own my house, right, asset minus liability equals equity, right? My equity will increase over time as I pay down my debt, but my asset value hasn't really changed, yeah. right? And so it's the same thing kind of here, right, is I own only 10% of the cart because that's what I've paid off, but my equity really hasn't really changed until I start paying down the the liability, yeah. right? So it's the equity part that, that, uh, that I'm... Con- that I was confusing with, right? Yeah. If you only pay the tenth of the price, a tenth of the of the thing, right? The the tenth is what you actually own, and that's reflected in the equity part. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not on the asset part of it. Yes. So the whole equation you have to in, you have to you have to look at the entire calculus there. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the third option, which is okay. Let's say you didn't want to pay with cash up front. You didn't want to finance it. Let's just rent rent the thing. Right, you got monthly payment or yearly payment, whatever it is. Let's just rent it. What would happen there? So, uh, back to the balance sheet, you decrease your cash, or w- depending on where you are in your um, in the snapshot in time, um, you have to increase your accounts payable, right? And so, your accounts payable is the um, you know how much you you owe somebody something, but it's thirty, sixty, ninety days until you have to pay them, um, and so one of those two numbers will will change right and then when your accounts payable actually gets paid then that decreases your cash flow um right and then where the expense will be seen is in the income statement under the selling general and administrative expenses mm-hmm. so uh in this case like the financing case we are decreasing our income uh yearly income because we are having to pay for this over a period of time mm-hmm. right and so i mean it makes sense right i'm not if I pay for it up front, I'm going to I'm going to be able to use it for whatever purpose I want um and I get to uh fully benefit from it. But if I'm having to pay it off over time, then I'm going to have to pay it off and it should reflect in my income statement in some way, mm-hmm. right? And so even though you have to pay down the debt, when you pay down the debt, that is not actually reflected in your income statement in mm-hmm. any way. Yeah. But the interest part of it is. Yeah. So paying down the debt is only seen in the financing side on the cash flow from financing activities. Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting to see where it is booked, right? Because balance sheet, if you look at this, I mean, balance sheet is a snapshot in time, snapshot in time, and anything in between is reconciled with income statement and cash flow statements. Yep. So seeing where, so for example, like you said, the principal payment is now reflected in the income statement and interest interest expense you know, it's booked in, in the, in the, uh, income statements. So where it's booked, it's so interesting to see. And it's important to understand where it is booked because you have to look for it, right? right. You have to look for it in different places. And, yep. uh, yeah, it's important to, it's important to see those things. Okay. So that was the, that was the concrete example that I was mentioning to you guys. Uh, to figure out the relationships between the financial statements, um, 
Anything else you want to add before we close out the episode, Hari? No, I think the the important thing to understand with all this stuff is it takes time to understand these concepts. And, you know, your best bet is to, when you start analyzing companies, these concepts will be more concrete and it'll be easier for you to understand them. So, you know, if you're listening to us talk about it and you don't understand it, um, you know, the best thing to do is I think, obviously, you can re-listen to this podcast and then re-listen to the uh, the financial statements, the, you know, the the previous six episodes that we've had, just to so you understand those the terminology, and then dive into a, an annual report, analyze a business. You'll be surprised that a lot of this will fall into place fairly quickly. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, thank you guys for joining our episode twenty. I can't believe we're at twenty already. It's moving by pretty pretty fast. Thank you all for joining us in this episode. Um, if you like the episode, please subscribe and leave us a comment. Uh, email us at uh, info at valueinvestor.org. And uh, thank you, guys. We'll see you on the next episode, episode 21. Thanks. Thanks.